You're listening to Working Together for Working Families, sponsored by the Pascal Sykes Foundation. Hello, I'm Rochelle Todd Yamoa. Welcome to the Working Together for Working Families podcast, where we come together to highlight individuals and organizations working to help whole families reach their goals. And I'm Jackie Edwards. For this episode of Working Together for Working Families, we will be talking about the importance of collaboration when three or more agencies work together as a part of the whole family approach. Research shows a collaborative approach played a major role in some positive outcomes for families served by the whole family approach. We will highlight the partnerships the agencies have formed to benefit the families they work with. Today, we welcome Dr. Elena Ragusa, president of Drive Evaluation Studios, Emory Edwards, Senior Director of Partnerships and Institutional Relations at St. Peter's University in Jersey City, New Jersey, and Paula Saro, Associate Executive Director, Mercy Center, Bronx, New York, to share their experiences as a part of a collaboration. So Paula, you represent the Familia Alante collaboration. Who are some of the agencies that make up your collaboration? Sure, thanks, Jackie. Um, Familia Delante, which means Family Forward, uh, consists of Mercy Center, which is the lead agency, and we oversee the administration and financing of the collaboration, and we also provide the services of family workers. Uh, it also consists of Qualitas of Life Foundation, which provides financial coaching and financial uh, workshops to focus on economic stability. It also includes the Fiverr Children's Foundation, which provides educational coaching and workshops and training on uh, different educational goals for the family. And then it provides the services of a mindfulness practitioner, which for the first five years was Tanya Valle. And then in this most recent year six that we're in now, it's Maritza Puelo. And they have provided mindfulness uh, workshops and trainings for our families. Thank you, Paula. Emery, can you share the agencies that make up your uh, make up Families for Literacy? Thanks, Jackie. Uh, families for Literacy focuses on family well-being, and New City Kids is the lead agency there. They focus on case management and children's success through homework support. St. Peter's University teaches ESL to adults, uh, family members, you know, and, and those families. And then we have a workforce development partner, which is currently Women Rising. We've also partnered through workforce development with uh, Rising Tide Capital and Starting Points. Thank you, Emory. Uh, Elena, can you share just a synopsis of the study that you conducted for Familia Adelante and Families for Literacy? Sure. So as you just mentioned, Jackie, we were the research partners here. So we had two evaluation questions that we were looking into. The first was how the families that were actually participating in these two collaborations were faring with regard to the four kind of core areas of the whole family approach. So the areas of financial stability, child well-being, adult well-being, and healthy family relationships. And then the second question, once we understood how the families were faring, we wanted to understand whether this collaborative or multi-agency approach worked differently or maybe even worked better, right? We, we would find out at facilitating those outcomes as compared to a single family our single agency approach. And if it did function differently, we wanted to understand how and why. So those were the two major research questions that, uh, that we were looking into. Thank you. Um, so Emery and um, Paula, uh, either one of you can just chime in and just answer this question. 
Um, why did your agency decide to participate in this collaboration? Well, I know it's kind of interesting that a university would be in a partnership uh, with other nonprofit agencies, but for St. Peter's, it's not necessarily unusual. We're very community focused. A lot of our core values relate to community service and social justice. And so when we were approached to be part of the collaboration, it was an interesting question for us, but I think it kind of led into our strengths. Uh, we have had some light partnerships with uh, New City Kids before around some other areas like college prep. But in this particular case, we were asked to do something that is really a core strength of ours, which is teaching. So we have an English support program. About 75% of our students are of color. We're an Hispanic-serving institution. Uh, half of our students are Latinx, for example. Uh, about 20% of our students, English is not their first language. So we do have a, an English language center, and we always had a desire to have a community aspect to our ESL programming, and this actually offered us a chance to meet this um, unmet goal that we have had. So it was kind of natural for us to join in. That's great. I know that I asked a question of you guys, why did you decide to participate in this collaboration? I know that um, the foundation did reach out to former grantees and asked you guys, and we came together and asked you to participate. But just because we asked you to come and participate didn't necessarily mean that you were going to participate. So Paula, why did you, your agency, decide to participate in this collaboration? Sure. Um... For us, it was a way to build on work we were already doing. We've been working on strengthening families for virtually, I would say, about 15 to 20 years. But this opportunity gave us the chance to deepen and strengthen what we've been doing um, and also the chance to partner in a coordinated, sustained way with other organizations that we have a history of working with. Um, we've worked with Qualitas Fiber and Tanya for many years, and it was a way to partner with them to, so that each of us could build on our strengths and we could serve more families in a deeper, holistic way. And also the fact that it was sustained funding gave us the chance to look ahead in a way that often we could not when programming was more operating more on a year-to-year -year basis due to funding. So this was a really great chance to look programmatically five years ahead and strengthen and deepen what we've been doing. Mm -hmm. The foundation was really looking to expand on the collaboration that we were doing. And so we definitely felt like you know, reaching out to some of our former grantees were, would help make for a good collaborative approach. Elena, so what were some of the results from your study that related to the collaborative approach working well with families? Sure. And I'll, I'll, I won't give you all of the nuance of our data collection, but I will say to get to the, the results and the findings, we did interviews with staff, we did interviews with families, we talked to other agencies in both of these communities, Jersey City and the South Bronx, that don't work with Familia Delante or Families for Literacy Families to have a landscape of the community. We surveyed families that participated in the program twice, um, and we also observed about a year and a half of these collaboration meetings among these um, collaborating agencies. And so all of that informed our data collection and our analysis, and we found that on the family side, the findings were incredibly positive. Families were faring really well considering what they had just gone through and going through in terms of the COVID pandemic across all four of these pillars. Um, they, were, uh, they were faring well. So then we delved more deeply into the collaborative approach, Jackie, into your question. We found 
six characteristics of Familia Delante and of Families for Literacy, um, six characteristics of their approach that were critical in what ended up being their success, right? So all, all in, uh, these collaborations were really strong, but what made them strong were these six elements. So the first was that they were very holistic. Paula talked about this a couple of minutes ago in terms of how they provide programming. Um, so they, they recognized that families' needs were interconnected and they found partners who provided complementary services, but that also at the same time approached their work in a synergistic way, right, across all four of these. Um, each one was the expert in their own content delivery, and they all trusted each other that they could do, everyone could kind of do their own thing, administer their services, provide their programming. And then you had this... Um, in some cases, a case manager, in some cases, a family worker, we were calling it a, a coach. You had this person that sort of served as the hub, coordinating all of it and making it work. And that holistic model worked really well. Uh, the second thing was that both of these collaborations focused really strongly on social capital. So they were building relationships among the families, between the families and the staff of the agencies. And there was a really strong network there, which served a really important purpose for family support. The third is that they were very, uh, the collaborations were very family driven. So the, the families were in the driver's seat, they were setting the goals, they were choosing the services that, were, that they were going to engage in, um, and they were empowered to make the decisions that worked best for them, as opposed to someone else telling them what they should be doing. Fourth, uh, they were very future oriented. So in uh, the way that they worked, families and their coach, their case manager or their family worker, thought about long-term goals, but then broke those down along the way. And we saw that consistently in the way that the family workers in particular worked with the families, and that seemed to make a big difference. Uh, fifth, they were focused on the whole family. It's, not, it's, it's the whole family approach, not just in name, but in action too. So children were centered in this work. Uh, when there were two adults, both adults were centered in this work. And that ended up proving to be uh, a really critical variable in family success. And then last, the collaborations were truly flexible and responsive to what was bubbling up. That was especially evident in the COVID pandemic, but it also meant in individual cases with families, they were able to be flexible and responsive to what that family needed in order to, or what that family indicated that they needed in order to help them move toward their goals. So all of these elements together were ways that we saw that this approach differed from a traditional sort of single agency or single agency and referral model that we typically see. And it really did make a big difference for families. Wow, thank you, Elena. Uh, Emery, um, Elena just shared from the research perspective how she saw that the whole family approach worked and the collaborative approach works. Can you share with us a little bit about how you feel it worked as well from your perspective as a grantee and a collaborative partner? Well, I think as many agencies may know, sometimes you get grants that result in mission creep or doing things beyond your core expertise. So I think it was a refreshing kind of opportunity to do what we do best and work with partners who do what they do best. And I think that approach was somewhat novel to us. Um, I do laugh because, you know, we didn't have a deep relationship with the partners initially. I think Elena got to come in and see this in year six as opposed to year one. So year one, there was a lot of testing of boundaries and there was a lot of building, you know, up relationships and building trust and all that part. But by the time we got to year six, 
you know, I think there's an, an old adage, you know, do your job, if that makes any sense. And by doing that is like doing your job. You be prepared with what you do. You understand what your expertise is and you stay in your lane. And I think at some point kind of uh, each of us building our strengths and trusting one another and staying in our lanes of sorts wound up with a much better result than we would have gotten individually if we'd had to kind of build expertise, if that makes, if that makes any sense. Sure, absolutely. Paula, um, I'm going to let you share, too, what your thoughts are about it, but can you explain how you work together as a collaborative? Did you guys meet on a regular basis? Can you talk a little bit about that part of the collaborative? Sure. Um, we meet monthly. It's been a combination over the years of, in the beginning, it was conference calls with occasional in-person meetings, but now it's mostly, it's since the pandemic, it's been by Zoom, um, which has proven to be really effective. Uh, so we meet monthly and we go over a lot of scheduling and recapping of what we've done between meetings and then looking ahead to what's coming up in discussion of a lot of logistics. But then we also do uh, discuss individual families, um, issues that have come up. And then I would say there are two points in the year where we do planning. One is every August, we don't meet as a group, but Mercy Center as the lead agency meets with each other partner individually, and we look ahead to the upcoming sort of academic year and look ahead as to what, what's going to be new, what's changing. We've had issues with staffing that's changing so that we can discuss those and plan for those. And then also each year as we've applied to renew our funding, we, that's where we would discuss changes in the budgets and different needs that each organization has you know, seen as might be coming up during the year. Regarding the overall collaboration uh, question, I would say that what's made it successful is the, the biggest factor I would say is that we all the organizations have a shared mission. Our missions are all in alignment with the Familia Adelante mission. And I just think that's critical because that means that there's been buy-in from every organization from the top because the work of Familia Adelante complements or is, you know, you could say it's like, it's part of the individual mission of each agency. So therefore, there's no mission creep in that sense. And um, it, there's been strong support all along. And then I would say something also that Emery mentioned, which is each organization, we, we've clearly defined our roles. And that's been really helpful. We know what each one is expected to do. But then when situations have come up where we've had to be flexible, it's been easier to understand that you can recognize that it's sort of a variation on what we've been doing. So I would say those have been really key to the success. How about you, Anne-Marie? You want to share about the collaborative meetings and any side meetings that needed to take place outside of those for what whatever reason needed? Sure. I think we took a slightly different approach in the way our collaboration uh, met. Most of our collaborative meetings were really focused on families. And so we had kind of had a dual structure. So the monthly meetings were the people who were de actually delivering the program. And they would talk about the ins and outs of, you know, our various agencies and what we were responsible for and how things were going. And it was really focused on program delivery. And quarterly, um, those of us who are more of the administrative people uh, would get engaged and talk about um, more strategic things or overarching uh, questions such as additional funding or these big scheduling things or how the, the overall collaboration is working from kind of the management approach, if that makes any sense to you as well. But 
it kind of kept the lines of communications on two different levels, which meant that the people who are doing the work could do the work. And those of us who are kind of more concerned about finance or you know, working together on a, on a different level could have those conversations separately. And I think it built some cohesion across different levels of the organization, uh, which was very helpful to us. And then also, you know, I think one of the things I mentioned, and maybe what you're alluding to, is that we had different workforce development partners across the six years. And part of that really came from, you know, the partnership between St. Peter's University and New City Kids. We would meet and say, you know, what do the families need or what are they asking for? Because one of our partners is really jobs focused. Um, Women Rising, for example, is really jobs training focused, which has been really helpful. We had a number of family members who wanted to go into entrepreneurship, start their own businesses or things like that. So Rising Tide Capital was a no-brainer. But we felt that that piece has evolved or changed over the year, but it was also in response to what the families were looking for. So having some of those sidebars to level set, um, to bring in the right partners at the right time when, you know, when something was no longer needed, thanking those partners for a service well done was a good way of doing that and kind of keeping the collaboration fresh. So uh, that was a good way of kind of summarizing how we took a look at this. Jackie, can I underscore something that Emery just said? And oh, it's for organizations and agencies that already do this, it doesn't seem that left of center, but the idea that both of these collaborations were responding to family needs and were shifting their programming in response to what families were indicating that they needed or wanted uh, is really significant, especially when something is grant funded, right? We know that sometimes you just have to st stay the path and stick with what you said you were going to do because that's mm -hmm. what you said you were going to do and that's the expectation. And the fact that they, A, had the flexibility to do that in this work and B, truly sort of walked that walk and responded in kind with partners, with services, was mm -hmm. one of those variables that made a really big difference. Thanks. Thanks, Elena. And um, Elena, what, your team was um, participated in some of these collaboration meetings. Can you share a little bit about how helpful that was or how did you your team find that to be in terms of your research? Sure. So we did. We sat in on all of the collaboration meetings during the length of our evaluation for both collaborations. And they were helpful at two levels. Uh, one is it kept us uh, because they were monthly, it kept us up to speed on the actual concrete sort of program elements that were coming up, what workshops, what events, who would be working on what piece. So as we conducted our other data collection, we were able, uh, talking to families, for example, or surveying families, we knew what other events they had coming up, we knew when to intersect or inter when to add in other pieces, um, so it wouldn't be too burdensome for them. So there was a really sort of logistical and administrative element but then in terms of the actual research questions, we were also sitting in on these collaboration meetings looking for elements of collaboration, right? So we were using collaborative frameworks and looking for things like how decisions were made, when the lead agency stepped in versus when a different one of the partners, when a different partner would um, take the lead on something, how different folks from different organizations were engaging with one another, how much time was spent on process versus how much time was spent on action, right? So we were sort of looking at, there's a lot of literature around how collaborations function. And so we were looking for some of the, the elements of collaboration that appeared or didn't, which then ultimately allowed us to make a statement like these are really strong collaborations because we had evidence of sort of watching them in action and mm -hmm. seeing how they engaged with one another. All right, thank you. So Polly, there are many times you've said to the foundation that you were really excited about 
being able to participate in the research because, you know, you're saying that, you know, you're actually getting funded to do, do a project and then there's going to be research. How will you or did you use any of the findings from this research in your agency? Having the external researchers evaluate our collaboration has been really critical for us. And it was one of the reasons we applied because we would not have had the resources to pay for this kind of evaluation. And we wanted it obviously first to just inform our own work. And basically it was really gratifying and important for it confirmed that our approach of working holistically with families about creating community for the families is a critical component of their success. So the, the research confirmed that for us, which was a key point for us. But then we've also used it at, and we will continue to use it for seeking funding and also just with external stakeholders in explaining the work and demonstrating that it works and the, that it's valuable. The other part of the reason why we wanted to do the collaboration that I guess I didn't mention before, but that I think goes hand in hand with the amount of resources that the foundation put towards this. Besides the evaluation, the foundation also supported the funding as multi-year, which is just not common. I think it's becoming more common, but, but it's not nearly as common as I think it should be. Having it be multi-year was critical for us, and um, I think it really contributed to the success. And then also that it was a significant amount that it paid for what it takes to successfully collaborate. So there is a, there is a lot of administration that goes on in making sure collaboration works. And the funding has to be significant to pay for the time. It's really the staff time to do it properly. And so it was just great for the foundation to recognize that and to actually emphasize for us that you wanted us to, to be engaging in the process. And um, we actually have to report on our collaboration goals. So just recognizing that you, has to, you have to fund it in terms of the time it takes to collaborate. And I think that was really just really critical to our success. And Paula, I do laugh because I know for every hour of collaborative meetings we had, we probably had two to three hours of internal meetings to yes. to process what happened in the collaborative meeting. So I, you know, there was a lot more time than I think is represented here too sometimes. But uh, I think the research for us, you know, it's kind of interesting because we're a university. So St. Peter's does research. Uh, professors love assessments. You know, however this go. And uh, but the research by a third party was really astonishingly helpful for us. It gave a, a, an air of credibility that I think when sometimes foundations or other partners see that you're assessing yourself or you're doing the research yourself, you're always going to put the best foot forward or kind of, you know, they just think that you're going to give a glowing picture regardless of what truly happened. And this project, we knew this project was successful. I could tell you right off the bat, you know, we have the data, uh, we do testing, we did surveys, but having a third party come in and assess has been crucial to us It's in terms of talking about the project. You refer to us being a university and why do we partner in this in the first place? Mm -hmm. Well, this builds internal credibility, too. I can show this to our president and provost and other people who are interested, and they can see that it's successful internally, and they can trust because it's an outside party doing the research as well. I can show this externally to build support for this project across the city and across the state. So it's been extremely useful. And 
I don't think the credibility would have factored into anything I was saying until we got this opportunity. And I, I really appreciative to the foundation that it invested in that because I think it not only proved out our collaboration and the outcomes that we have, but I think it also kind of le leaned into Fran Sykes' vision of the whole family approach. Um, so I think it did, it did those two things. It's not just one thing, it was, it's about us, but it's also about the approach in general. One more thing I just thought of that, I think the external research has also been valuable for our staff in the sense of validating what they do. I think staff who work with the families, they know they're successful sort of based on the individual families when they see the individual families achieving something and that validates it for them. But then having the external research that you can show them and say, and look, <laughs> this external researcher has shown that what you're doing is successful and has results. And I think that has been also really um, good for, for staff just in recognizing the value of the approach and of their work. And Jackie, I'm going to jump in again, but uh, I think the other thing that we learned through the research that we would not have measured for, the, the major outcomes that we saw from Families for Literacy were improved mental health, reduced anxiety, reduced stress, uh, improved social supports. That was never a stated goal of our program. We talked about family well-being, but we were looking in terms of are you able to communicate better in English with your schools? Are you better, you know, with your children? With uh, Can you get a better job because you can communicate better in the public? We were looking at really tactical outcomes. And the sum of the parts, again, were bigger than, you know, the whole. Because at some point, we found out that by making those differences in people's lives, wow, they have somebody they can talk to. They have somebody they can commiserate with. Wow, they're less anxious about shopping. Wow, they feel more confident when they're dealing with their children's teachers. And just the different parts of the things that we did changed people's lives. And we would have never probably measured that. Mm -hmm. And so that, you know, but that was our strongest outcome. Right. So Elena, Emery, actually, that really takes me to the question that I, next question that I have for Elena. Can you talk about some of the high points of conducting this research? Yeah, so there's high points in terms of the outcomes and there's high points in terms of the, the process for our team, right? So the outcomes, uh, Emery and Paula have sort of alluded to the outcomes were incredibly positive and that is not always the case. Uh, that's rarely the case, right, in our work. Usually there's a mixed bag. Some things work out really well. Uh, there's some areas for growth or some things that work for some subpopulations and not others. In terms of the findings themselves, I know we're talking, Jackie, a lot about the, collabor the collaborative approach and the collaboration mm -hmm. findings, but in terms of the families and how they were faring, the findings were incredibly positive. Mm -hmm. So they, what they found was, what we found was that uh, across all four of these pillars, so financial stability, adult well-being, child well-being, and healthy relationships, mm -hmm. people were faring better now than before they participated in the program. That takes into account COVID. And the findings were so strong that actually the negative impact of the pandemic was less than the positive impact of the program, right? So their engagement with Families for Literacy and Familia Delante was more positively impactful than the pandemic was negatively impactful in there. Mm -hmm. That is really significant. And when we talk about each of these pillars, to Emery's point, there were a lot of indicators, specific elements in each one. 
So financial stability is sort of the overall bucket, but we were measuring about a dozen different things within financial stability. Adult well-being was the overall bucket, but we were measuring about 10 different things in adult well-being. And across the board, regardless of whether it was uh, having a budget and being able to stick to it, having a little bit of money for savings, children being able to make peer relationships, families spending more time together, regardless of what that indicator was, families were faring better now than before they participated. This is for families that have been engaged with the collaboration for five or six years. And we also saw the same impact at a slightly smaller intensity, which would make sense, for families that had been engaged for 12 to 18 months too. So even earlier, newer families uh, were seeing that, that impact. So the findings themselves, that was at a high point, because like I said, it's fantastic when we get to see findings like that, right? That's not, it's not always, uh, and we were so excited to go back and share. And, and Paula and Emery, to their point, like they, like, as they said, they sort of, you know when something's working, right? So they knew, but it's exciting for us to go back and share that. In terms of the process of conducting the research, uh, I think one of the high points, two of the high points were the relationship that we built with these collaborations over time, but also having the opportunity to speak directly with the families themselves. In our work, we look for opportunities to lift up the voices of the community members that are in this space and, and being impacted by this, by these initiatives and this work. Um, so some of our findings came from observations and testing out the frameworks and the things we talked about before, but they also came from listening to what the people that were impacted by this program were saying, what their lives are like, how they've been affected by this approach, and engaging with them is, for us, the best part of this work. And the fact that all of these data aligned, right, what we saw in our observations, what we saw in the testing out of our frameworks, what we heard in our interviews, what we saw in our, in our uh, surveys, they all spoke to the same findings and they painted a really clear picture, made our job a lot easier, quite frankly. Um, so it was, a, it was a great experience. And Jackie, that may point back to your very first question, because I think at some point you look at a cohesive group of partners who get to know each other well, who get to do what they're expert in, and then therefore all of these outcomes are stronger because there's no weak link at that point. Wow, it sounds like being a part of a collaboration for you guys has been great. And it sounds like for those folks that are listening to this, definitely an encouragement to be a part of a, a collaboration. But can you tell me if there were any challenges, some lessons learned as being a part of a collaboration? Would you share some of, you know, some of those thoughts? Sure. I think flexibility was really important, whether it was, you know, we had some staff changes in some of the partners at times. So we had to adapt to that in terms of bringing on new staff um, to, the, to the, the goals of the collaboration and how we worked. And then in terms of COVID, I would say the flexibility was just critical because we, we all, all the partners had to adapt to the immediate needs of the families. So on our end, you know, at Mercy Center, we started handing out food, which was not something we normally did, at least other than a yearly Thanksgiving pantry, we did not hand out food, but we started handing out food. Qualitas got access to funding to hand out gift cards. The collaboration, they made some of those available to the Familia Adelante families. But, you know, keep in mind, this was at the very beginning when everybody was still locked down at home and we had to figure out how to 
distribute these and reach the families, but we realized right away that letting the family see us in person was really important because virtually everybody lost their job and they're stuck in their apartments, scared, not knowing what's going to happen. Their kids are out of school and trying to figure out how to work remotely. We had to help families with the technology for the school. But even though I needed to get staff to volunteer to be doing this distribution, and they, they recognize like, it's critical for them to see us in person, to know they're not deserted and that we're here. And I would say each of the partners were doing sim making similar adjustments. So like during COVID, it was, I would say the flexibility was, was critical. Wow. And you also had a connected network of agencies that helped you guys to get those much needed resources right. to those families during that time. I know you talked about that with those gift cards through Qualitas. They didn't right. have that the group of families to, to reach out to, you guys did, but as a part of your collaboration, they were able to get that those resources out to the families, um, which was great. Emery, any thoughts? You shared a lot, but if you want to end last. I do think at some point, look, it's not always easy at the end of the day, because we all had distinct missions. I mean, they aligned around this project, but you know, there are times you have to ask What's the university's mission, for example, versus what the Families for Literacy mission is and how do they reconnect? So I think you have to kind of rededicate yourself at least annually, if not at each collaborative meeting. So uh, I think that is one thing. And I do think the flexibility was key because like one of the things we learned during COVID is the first thing we did, there is no ESL model that is virtual. So we had to create a virtual ESL model it exists now, but then the other thing we learned is we had to do digital literacy training. Many didn't have computers, so we had to get computers, we had to get cell phones or smartphones, and then we had to train them how to use them. So it was not only ESL at that point, it was digital literacy. Um, and then again, we said, you know, we look at our Caulfield School of Education here at St. Peter's University. Our pre-service teachers couldn't actually get in the classroom to, to do their clinical work. So at some point, our, our uh, student teachers were working with New City Kids and providing homework support virtually uh, throughout the pandemic too. So, I mean, we were able to align different aspects of the university that we had never considered as well. So every day is a new day. You have to kind of build trust and, uh, and move forward together and respond together. And, you know, it's not always easy, but if you build the right trust, it can be. Thank you so much. You know, as a funder, we're always encouraging collaboration with the agencies that we fund, but this is a great example of a collaboration and then to have research to support that the collaboration component does work is just great. And I'm happy that we're able to have this information to share with our listeners. And I will have to say that's all the time that we have for this episode. So I'd like to thank Elena Ragusa, Paula Sarah, and Emery Edwards for being our guests and sharing this valuable information about the research and the collaboration. Thank you, guys. Thank sure. you. Thank you. Be sure to join us next time on Working Together for Working Families. Working Together for Working Families, sponsored by the Pascal Sykes Foundation, is published monthly. You can follow this podcast on Spotify, Apple, Google, or wherever you get your podcasts. To learn more about the whole family approach, visit our website, wholefamilyapproach.org.